0: Hi, I'm Millie Thomas, an eating disorder recovery coach. We've created this podcast to raise awareness about all types of eating disorders and to help dispel some of the many myths and stigma that unfortunately still surround them.
1: It's hard for me to pinpoint where and when my eating disorder began.
0: It feels like it's like a drug. You know it's bad because you know like this is hurting me but it somehow makes you feel like you're doing something right. He just couldn't sense that I was hopeless. You get to that point where you just you just don't know what to do.
1: This is the End Eating Disorders Podcast brought to you by Lockaway Self Storage and Podspot. I began rereading my diaries and actually it enabled me to grieve for the little girl that got horribly lost and I just wanted to take her hand and help her. Get, get out of that terribly dark forest that she was lost in for so many years. You're enough, you're more than enough, and you will always be enough.
0: My eating disorder started at seven. It's been a long
1: and at times slow process.
0: <sighs> the eating disorder's in charge, and your daughter's not there. There is hope at end, end. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, joining me, I have the amazing Stacey Louise. Now, Stacey teaches yoga and meditation and has been teaching yoga in hospital settings with people battling eating disorders for 15 years. Although she doesn't have lived experience, she is incredibly passionate about helping those who are in the midst of their eating disorder battles. Stacey has also been very generously donating her time to facilitate some wonderful healing yoga and meditation sessions for our NDEAD Community Connection Group. So thank you so much for that, Stacey, and thank you for joining me today.
1: It's my pleasure, Millie. I feel really honoured
0: to be here with you. So firstly, I would like you to share with our listeners about what you do and why you do it. Sure.
1: As you mentioned, I teach yoga and meditation to kids and teens. I am a certified yoga teacher for adults as well, but in, uh, I've, I've always taught children, and in about 2016, I decided to specialise in kids and teens. And I've also, the whole time that I've been teaching yoga, been working in a hospital setting So in the last couple of years, I've really honed in on that work and the work that I do at the hospital is that I go in to visit patients in the children's and adolescent ward and I do a calm session with them whilst they're in their bed. So it's not a exercise style yoga class. It's using the calm tools of yoga.
0: So for those people who aren't aware of what that looks like, can you just explain that to me a little bit? Sure. The calm tools
1: of yoga include things like breathing, guided relaxation, body scans. I also add in things like hand massages and temple massages. And there's always some kind of rapport building at the start of the session. So there'll be times where we might do a mindful craft activity for example beading a bracelet and during that time when we're beating a bracelet I'm having a chat with them and asking things like what's been the most challenging part of your day and what is the part of your day that you feel grateful for today and I just take that time to really acknowledge however the patient is feeling in that moment and I feel like that's a really important piece that is missing a lot of the times in the, the medical setting and in the process of making the bracelet, we will then be taking one breath for every bead. So it then becomes something that I can weave into the session later on to use analogies about taking one step at a time, one breath at a time, one meal at a time, etc.
0: I absolutely love that. It's such a beautiful concept and such a simple one. And I think at times like that when there is a lot going on, that's quite stressful and traumatic, to have a really simple technique that they can come back to and remember is just wonderful. And you're so right. There's Missing from, from the medical model is that real ability to check in with the individual that's being cared for and find out where they're at mentally, physically, spiritually and, and work with that. Absolutely. And I feel like that's
1: the feedback I get a lot from the patients at the end of the session is they're in a space with me where they can be seen and heard and honoured for who they are, as opposed to the feelings of judgment and shame or criticism and the feelings that there's so much restriction What I really aim to do in my sessions when I visit patients with ED in hospital is to create a safe space for them to be able to be with whatever is coming up for them in the moment and to know that I can hold that space for them and to be able to see them and witness them and honour them in whatever feeling they have in that time. And that is definitely one of the parts that the patients will feed back to me that they just really enjoyed
0: The conversation and having someone to be with them for that amount of time time and holding time and space for people Mm -hmm. is such an underrated thing and especially when your head is so loud and so horrendously horrible to have someone there by your side not necessarily even talking or doing doing anything but just to have someone there holding space for you is one of the most powerful, powerful things. Mm,
1: Definitely. And, you know, the technical term for that really is co-regulation. When there is someone that has a really regulated nervous system and they're interacting with someone else who might be in a state of dysregulation, I can actually help to co-regulate them in that moment. It's about them being able to be in a space where they do feel safe And that's one of the the biggest parts of healing is feeling safe. And once they feel safe, then we can actually go into the techniques and into the processes. But for me, really, I think the most important part is who I'm being and the space that I'm holding when I'm with that patient. And all of the techniques are a bonus on top of that.
0: Was there something in particular that led you to working with people with eating disorders? It's interesting As you mentioned, I don't have a lived experience of eating disorders,
1: yet I feel like I was very much in an environment that was triggering for eating disorders, and I found your podcast about the biology of eating disorders super fascinating, and I really realised that I think I'm very lucky that I didn't have that genetic predisposition for an eating disorder, because if I did, coupled with the environment I was in, I feel like that would have expressed for me. And The environment that I was in as a dancer and cheerleading and gymnast, there was a lot of emphasis on the body and the way that I looked. I remember as a 15-year-old with a developing teenage body in a cheerleading group, the sponsor of our uniforms told me that if I didn't lose weight, I'd be off the team. And I was a size 8 to 10. It was that kind of culture that I was in that really got me fascinated about eating disorders. And I remember watching a TV show with um, Bronte. And I feel like that her story was one of the first, in Australia anyway, that really opened up our eyes to give us some insight into eating disorders. And I remember at that age doing a school project about anorexia. And I was just really fascinated about the, the topic of eating disorders. So I think from a really young age, There's been something there for me that has been curious to learn more and to want to be able to help and to also be able to stay solid in myself so that I can find my own sense of self in those triggering environments. And the actual work itself for me came about by chance, you might say synchronicity, when I was volunteering at Royal Children's Hospital in Brisbane, Australia, and I was teaching some yoga to some children in this breakout room called the Wonder Factory, Mm -hmm. and one of the mental health nurses saw me and she said, oh, this looks amazing. We don't get access to these resources in mental health. Can you please come and do a session with us there? And I said, sure, I'd love to. So I volunteered and taught a yoga session with the children and the teens in mental health. And it was really well received and that led to paid work and I ended up teaching yoga and fitness classes three times a week in mental health for seven years. And of course, in the mental health board, I saw a lot of eating disorder patients. And my sessions weren't suitable for eating disorder patients during that stage of their recovery because I was teaching fitness and yoga, so they were very active. Yet there was always a component of relaxation at the end of the session. And some of the nurses would kind of bribe the eating disorder patients to make sure that they'd finished their afternoon tea so that they could join my session. And I really didn't like that. I really didn't like the bribery that they had to do something to be able to receive the relaxation. So I helped to, I guess changed the way that that session was viewed and I asked if they could just join in anyway, whether they had eaten their meal or not. After their post-meal support time had finished, could they just come in and lie down on the yoga mat and do the breathing and relaxation with me? And over time, I had nurses who really supported that and could see the benefit of that for those patients. And then we had some doctors come in and observing the sessions, making sure that what I was doing was really gentle and not going to be um, too vigorous for them. And so what I started to do was tailoring my sessions, depending on the patients that were in the ward at that time, to make sure that the sessions were really suitable for eating disorder patients to join in. And we did gentle stretching, spinal movements, but mostly breathing and meditation. And it was from that work that was about 10 years ago now. It was from that work that I really got passionate about teaching
0: yoga with eating disorder patients. They are so lucky to have you. So I think when you're really, really passionate about something, well, I know when you're really, really passionate about something – um, you know, it really, really shines through in your work with with those vulnerable individuals. What, why do you believe that yoga and meditation are such powerful tools in recovery from an eating disorder?
1: There's actually some really great research that's just been done recently. Um, there's a researcher, Catherine Cook Katona, I'm not sure if I've pronounced her surname correctly, Um, and her peers who have published some articles in 2020 in the Eating Disorder Journal. And they have been researching extensively the impacts of yoga, particularly not so much meditation as a separate practice, but yoga and the impact that that has on eating disorder recovery. And they're finding some really great results from those studies. And also finding where yoga and meditation can be unhelpful and maybe even harmful for eating disorder patients. So I just want to bring that into the conversation from the outset to say that because yoga is so broad and there are so many different kinds of yoga, styles of yoga and also different teachers and the way that they may deliver the cues in yoga, I think it's important to say that yoga is as a blanket Uh, Comment that yoga isn't just always going to be the best for recovery. So, I think it's really important to say that there needs to be the right kind of yoga and the right kind of teacher delivering the cues in a really trauma sensitive way so that it can lead to better recovery. So, that said, (laughs) I think why yoga is so beneficial, and this is definitely what's coming out in their research, is it's about embodiment. It's about teaching an eating disorder patient that they are safe in their own body. And parts of the process with yoga is getting our bodies into slightly uncomfortable positions and then breathing through those uncomfortable sensations. And this helps to build our tolerance to uncomfortable sensations that are in our body whether that's physical sensations or sensations caused by emotions. And so that's one part of it is opening up that window of tolerance to discomfort in the body. But then also this feeling of being able to enjoy pleasurable sensations in the body as well. To actually realize that our body is not just a place of pain or discomfort or stress, but our body can actually be our vehicle For pleasure and joy and being able to experience our world and of course that takes time because it's a repatterning and it's one of those things that the more that someone practices the more they will be embodied and be able to experience the fullness of their body. There's also some research being done about the differences between neutral body image or neutral cues in yoga and full embodied cues in yoga and the difference between those two would be that more neutral cues are about saying the body and feeling a separation of just I have a body as opposed to the embodiment which is I'm in a body and I'm the body is part of who I am and so just having that those two points distinguished again it comes down to the way that the teacher will cue particular poses or techniques to actually help someone be in their body as opposed to further dissociating from
0: their body it's such a powerful powerful thing Mm. I'm sure you've witnessed some really incredible healing moments as you've been working with clients are there any that you could share with our listeners today I do have so many
1: stories because I've Worked literally with hundreds of patients in their most vulnerable stage of treatment, which is that first nutritional resuscitation is the technical term they use in the medical system. Uh, that first phase of treatment, I find that, as I mentioned before, it's that that time when they're so vulnerable and there's so much shame and judgment and also fear as well about what's happening. So, I definitely see a lot of. Change, even within one session with patients. When I worked in mental health, I got to see patients over more of a long term and I was with them three times a week. So one of the stories that stands out because I was with this particular patient long term was when I first met her, she was very unwell and she wasn't able to participate in most of the sessions for the first part, but she would always do the breathing and the relaxation at the end of the session. And over time, as she got more well, she was able to do a little bit more each week. And she really came to life at the end of those sessions, the end of her time in that ward. And I remember the last day before she got discharged, she came up to me and her eyes just had so much more life in them. And she said, thank you so much for these yoga sessions. When I was in here at the start, I had nothing to live for. But I looked forward to your sessions every week and it gave me a reason to keep going and to keep trying and to keep following the program so that I could keep doing the sessions. And now I love yoga so much, I want to be a yoga teacher. And it was just that moment of realising how how precious that one thing could be, and for someone it might be yoga. For someone it might be something else. But just having one thing that brings them back to life—that says there's a reason for me to keep going. There's a reason for me to get through this hard time. That for me was amazing to hear. That that for this particular young woman, that it was yoga that that helped her see something, see a reason for her to keep going. And I don't know whether she's a yoga teacher. That was about. 10 years ago so I'm always curious I often wonder about her when I go into a yoga studio I wonder if that's her I wonder if she followed through with that but you know even if she didn't what I love
0: about it is it gave her a reason to keep going oh that's just it warms my heart to hear that and I think so often it is those really little things that are those reasons to keep going those little moments of light those little moments of hope that, you know, the little little threads that we use to pull ourselves through when we're in the depths of things. And the fact that you can go in there and provide that is just absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. I often have clients who say to me that they can't switch off enough from the eating disorder thoughts to get any benefit from yoga or meditation. What would your advice be to them?
1: Yeah, definitely this comes back to that embodiment piece again because some styles of meditation are about clearing the mind or at least the perception of meditation is about clearing the mind emptying the mind stopping the thoughts and when we realize that meditation isn't about stopping the thoughts that we actually have a human brain and it is going to continue thinking and ruminating that we don't actually need to have that as our goal in meditation what we're aiming for is to bring our sense of self into the present moment and one of the ways that I do that is working with the five senses. So once we start actually using the body in meditation or in a yoga practice, that's when we step out of the head and we actually start coming into this felt sense that I'm not just my thoughts, I'm not just my head. I'm actually a human spirit or I'm a spirit inside of a human body. And once we start to tie those pieces together and the word yoga meaning union in Sanskrit language is literally uniting those parts the mind or the brain, the thoughts, the body and the spirit, the essence of who we are. So my suggestion for people who have troubles with the, the thinking mind during practices is to maybe try on a different practice rather than sitting there just trying to breathe and be still and quiet. Look into some more somatic-based practices, things where it might be kind of like Tai Chi movements with the hands, for example, inhaling, raising the arms up, exhaling, palms down towards the ground. Doing that for a few minutes is meditative. Doing a walking meditation, taking really slow steps one foot at a time, whether that's on the beach or out in nature or just on the floor, but taking all of the attention to the sensation on the foot as it touches the ground. That's a meditation. Doing a guided meditation where someone might be talking you through guided imagery, that can help if people find that their mind is really busy and distracted by thoughts having someone actually talk them through visualising a scene, that can be helpful as well. What I think is important is that you find your own preference and what works for you and to not feel like you've failed at meditation if sitting still and breathing isn't working for you. That's just simply one style of yoga and meditation, but it's not for everyone and it's in fact not what I would recommend for for people with eating disorders or intrusive thoughts.
0: What about people who are scared of trying it because they've been disconnected from their soul self for so long and are really apprehensive about going within because of the emotions that it might stir up? Mm,
1: Absolutely. And yoga definitely does stir up emotions. I think, again, this comes back to making sure that you're in a class with a teacher who does have some uh, training or awareness around trauma and sensitivity so that there are a variety of cues to help focus that person. So sometimes it might be on the placement of your foot or your hand on the yoga mat, and for others it might be about noticing the sensation while you're in the pose. I think having a variety of what I call anchor points in the practice is important. So if going inwards is too confronting for someone, then they can focus on the sensation against their skin, for example. So when it comes to going within, I like to focus on working from the outside and gradually going in. And so that might be being able to look around and notice colours, notice shapes, notice textures in the room. That might be the first part of being present in a practice. And having that permission to be able to dip in and inquire within and then, oh, no, that feels too much today, I can step back out and feel my hands on the mat instead or I can feel my my legs sitting down as I breathe on in this meditation seat. Having those permissions to dip in and out I think is really important and yet finding an anchor point that helps there to be a presence in the moment
0: those are all really really helpful suggestions and I I love that because when people are now very apprehensive about it I can say right well they've got a podcast episode for you to listen to would you be able to share a meditation or, or a guided relaxation with our listeners I would love to do that one that I use
1: a lot And I don't use it with every patient because not everyone is able to visualize and not everyone may want to go here. So I very much use it in a discerning way. But one of the meditations I use is called Future Self Meditation. And the one that I use in every session is a body scan, which is taking the attention around to different parts of the body. And... When I'm working with people in person, I'm also giving them a hand massage, maybe squeezing their feet or toes, so it also helps them to connect in with their body. So what I'd love to offer is just a short body scan so that your listeners can experience that, and then I'll go into the future self-meditation with the permission that if people are feeling uncomfortable in that, they can come back to feeling the sensation in their body, the feelings against their skin, and just coming back to noticing their breath. So if they don't want to follow me into that second part, they don't need to. They can come back and just keep focusing on their breathing.
0: Amazing. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. So obviously if you're driving a vehicle while listening to this, this is not a deal. Skip over this part because I often listen to your podcast when I'm driving. I've listened to every podcast and I know that if this came on when I'm driving, it would be really important to make sure that I pause <laughs> and save it for another time. So just make sure that you're in a safe position to be able to do this and find a position that's comfortable for your body it doesn't have to be sitting up it doesn't have to be lying down you choose which one you prefer for yourself you could use things to support your body so you if you're sitting up you might lean back against the chair or against a wall if you're lying down you might put something underneath your knees to support your lower back and you can consciously choose where you'd like to put your hands When your palms are facing down, either touching somewhere against your body or on the floor, that can create a really grounding feeling. And when your palms are facing up towards the sky, that can create an open and receptive feeling, often a feeling of inviting new energy in. So just take a moment to play around with the position of the hands, palms down or palms up. And know that at any time you can switch that as well throughout this guided meditation. But make it a conscious choice. And now start to notice different sounds that you can hear around the room. Some of the sounds will be really obvious. Some of the sounds will be more subtle and will require you to listen more carefully. And notice the sound of your breathing. See if you can increase the sound of your breath just a little. As you exhale, feel your body get a little heavier on the surface that you're sitting on, as if you're really plugging down into the earth. You could even imagine yourself right now like a tree that has roots extending down through the surface you're sitting on or resting on and all the way down into the earth. And as you exhale, feel yourself plant down a little deeper. Getting really grounded here. And then notice the front of your body and as you breathe in, feel an and like a balloon being blown up as your lungs fill up and this feeling now of lightness like you could just float right up towards the ceiling like a helium balloon and we join them together so on every inhale there's this sensation of feeling light floating up And as we exhale, this sensation of feeling heavy and grounded to the earth. Notice now the pause that happens naturally in between your inhale and exhale. Feel yourself just hovering in between that feeling of heavy and light. Throughout the rest of the meditation, you can always return to this. If this feels really calming and soothing for you, you can always come back to here, noticing the rise and fall, the feeling of lightness and heaviness with every breath. Take your attention now into your face and notice your tongue inside of your mouth and see if you can broaden your tongue in your mouth and maybe even just create a little gap between your back teeth. Feel if that has loosened your jaw or maybe helped your throat relax in some way. And taking all of your attention now into your right eye and your left eye. And imagine your eyes are like little pebbles being thrown into a pond and you can feel them sinking down, down, down. Notice the sensation of the air touching the nose, cool air coming in, and warm air moving down the throat. Notice your top lip and the bottom lip, your jaw. Notice your right ear, your left ear. both sides of the neck, the throat. And now feel the whole face. Breathing in, feel the whole face. And as you breathe out, feel your whole face more relaxed. Now, taking your attention to your right hand, noticing your thumb, First finger, middle finger, ring finger, little finger. Notice the palm of your hand, the back of your hand. Your right wrist, forearm, elbow, upper arm and shoulder. Take a long, slow breath in and out. Feel your whole right arm and hand. Now feel the right side of your chest, the right ribcage, the right side of your waist, your right hip and thigh, your right knee, lower leg, ankle and foot. Feel the big toe, second toe, third toe, fourth toe and little toe. Feel the whole foot and the whole leg. Take a long slow breath in and out. Feel the whole right side of your body. Notice if the right side of your body feels any different to the left side of your body right now. It's okay if it doesn't, but notice that too. Taking all of your attention now into your left hand, noticing your left thumb, first finger, middle finger, ring finger, little finger. Palm of the hand, back of the hand, your left wrist, forearm, elbow, upper arm and shoulder. Take a long, slow breath in and out. Feel the whole left arm and hand. Now, feeling the left side of your chest, the left rib cage, left side of your waist, the left thigh, knee, lower leg, ankle, and foot. Feel your big toe, second toe, third toe, fourth toe, and little toe. Feel the whole left leg and foot. Take a long, slow breath in and out. Feel the whole left side of your body. Feel both sides of your body. Feel the whole back of your body. Feel the whole front of your body feel your whole body. And when you breathe in, it feels like your whole body's breathing in. And when you breathe out, your whole body's breathing out. You can continue here, noticing the breath coming in and out. Anytime your mind gets distracted by sounds or thoughts, simply guide it back noticing the breath again and noticing your body resting against the surface that it's on. If you'd like to continue with me, imagine now that you float up out of your body, up into the sky, and you slowly land on your favourite beach. Imagine that you can feel the sand underneath your feet. Imagine you can see the beautiful color of the ocean. You can hear the sound of the waves crashing. You can feel the breeze touching your skin and maybe you can even smell the salty air. Bring all of your senses into this scene using your imagination as if you're actually there right now. And in your imagination, notice there's someone approaching you. They feel very familiar and safe to you. And as they get closer, you start to recognize they they look familiar. And as you look them in the eyes, you realize these are your eyes. This is your future self. This is you in 10 years from today. And this future self is vibrantly healthy and happy. You notice the glow in their eyes, the sparkle in their eyes. And you feel immediately reassured. You feel immediately calm in their presence. This version of you knows exactly what you've been through. And they now have one piece of wisdom to share with you that they have learnt over the last 10 years. And this piece of wisdom is very simple yet profound. Take a moment to listen to what they have to say. Allowing those words of wisdom to land in your body, knowing that they have come from your wise self. Feel them in your heart and know that you can return back to them any time that you need a reminder. You thank your future self. They gently smile. and they start to walk away. You watch them fade out into the distance. You can take a slow breath here. And know that you can come back to this safe place anytime. But for now, it's time to return back to the present moment. Feel yourself floating back up into the sky and landing back down into this body, feeling like your spirit is sliding into a bed with freshly cleaned sheets and a nice snuggly blanket. Feel yourself returning back in now to this body in this moment. Take another breath as you feel yourself land. And then as you're ready, Make little movements with your fingers and your toes to send some blood back down into your hands and feet. If you are asleep and you'd like to stay asleep, you can stay asleep. But if you are ready to wake up, just with your next few breaths, see if you can slowly blink your eyes open a little, allow some light back in. And as you exhale, you'll close the eyes. Do that a few more times, slowly, slowly waking up gently. Notice how you feel, notice if anything feels different now compared to how you felt before. And this is also an opportunity where you might like to journal or just take a moment to pause and reflect. You might like to just stay in this nice, chilled-out space for a while if you feel like that.
0: Thank you so much. That was amazing and I'm sure there will be many people who will return back to this podcast episode just to have you lead them through that. It's such a beautiful, beautiful, um, I guess, thing to do and, and to set aside time in a day just to do something like that where you really tune into yourself. You're so welcome
1: and I really do hope that it is of benefit to your listeners and Yeah, for, I mean, what, 10 10 or so minutes? Imagine if that was part of your daily practice, how those moments can change over time. You know, small steps many times is one of my favourite phrases. It's like, imagine if you just did a little bit of that every single day, that this sense of embodiment would start to build this sense of mind, body, spirit coming together as one, would really start to build the more that you have those kind of times to practice
0: Absolutely Now finally I'd like to ask you what words of wisdom would you like to leave our listeners with especially those who are still struggling
1: I always believe in the patients that I see that they can make a recovery and I have seen people who have been in really severe phases recover fully and it brings me so much joy to see that, to to see some of the patients years on living really fulfilling lives, and and even one of the patients has now gone on to study um, dietitian to be a dietitian, to be able to help other people, and that I think is such an inspiration to know that no matter how hard things are right now, it doesn't have to stay like that. That there is hope and. Life is constantly ebbing and flowing and moving and changing. And even though right now it might be hard to see past this moment, this moment will pass too. And to take one step at a time. And if that just means getting through the next meal, amazing. Just focus on that. Getting through the next breath, focus on that. So one step at a time, small steps many times, and a full recovery is absolutely available to you. And keep the hope, keep that flame of hope burning really bright. And one more thing is actually when I think it's really important to have someone on your team that believes in you and has hope for you. So on those days where you feel like your flame is flickering and maybe going out, you have someone else who can hold that flame for you and keep it burning bright for you. I think that's really essential.
0: So important. And thank you. Thank you so much because everything that you've shared uh, today has been so wonderful and so insightful. And I know that there will be many people out there who get so much from this episode. So I can't thank you enough. Thank you again, Millie, for having me on the podcast. I
1: really want to take this time to acknowledge the work that you do And the work that's done at ended. it's really powerful and important, necessary work. And I really, I I love being a part of it. I'm grateful to be able to be a part of it, a very, very small part. And I'm so excited to see the work that you do, where it leads in the future. I think everything that you are creating and everything the organisation is doing is really going to change the the face of eating disorders in Australia, and I think that's really powerful. So thank you for everything you're
0: doing. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely of you to say. And I it was actually something that I said at uh, the groundbreaking ceremony for Wandi Nieroda was that I felt that you know we were changing the face of of eating disorders in Australia, and I do believe that the way that Indeed approaches Caring for those who are affected by eating disorders, both those who are in the trenches themselves and also their parents and carers, it is a unique approach, and and the community and connection and compassion that we interweave um, in a very holistic manner, it, it it is different, and and it's working, and it's very very exciting to see that uh, happening, and I'm excited too to see to see where where it leads because. I could never have imagined uh, five years ago when I first got together with Mark and Gay that we would be where we are today doing all the incredible things with In House of Hope uh, and the espresso bar and to have established the Australia's first residential. It's It's all quite incredible and I feel very blessed to have found my purpose and to be here living my truth. And the world is better for you being here. So thank you.
1: This is the End Eating Disorders podcast brought to you by Lockaway Self Storage and Podspot. Your financial support will save lives. Donate at ended.org.au. I always used to think like, how can people not hear what's going on in my head?